Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So let, open your Bibles with me because what I want to do today is I want to, um, <coughs> I want to, uh, flipping heck, I want, to, I want to talk to you about, remember last week I was talking about faith and I was saying that, 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 that make no bones about it, the Lord's heart for you this morning is to go from grace to grace and glory to glory. Anybody agree? Okay, so that's always God's heart for you, is that you grow, and it says there's length, and there's breadth, and there's depth, and there's height to God's love for you, and it's not that God is loving, it's God is love, and you should never give up on God's love. I'll tell you why, Romans 2, 4 says it's the only way that you change. You don't change because you'll feel condemned. If you feel bad about something in your life, can I just say get over it, because feeling bad about something doesn't change anything. Okay, that's not, the Lord doesn't lead you that way. The Lord lifts your head up to see who you've been created to be. I was, I was, I was funny, I was just, this strikes me as really important. I was listening to somebody during the week. It was a sermon I put on. I don't want to uh, make comment necessarily about what I was listening to, but it was, it was this thing of, you know, like you're essentially a sinner, but don't worry, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, right? And I was going, help me with that, because the, the Bible says that light can't live with darkness. Is that right? Because the light always drives out the darkness, and so the, the two can't live together. So I can't be both because I'll end up living some kind of schizophrenic life. Okay, I want to tell you, every one of you this morning, you are saints this morning. You're not sinners. You are loved by God. You are perfect in his sight. Do you get that? Absolutely perfect. The word says that whenever you came to Christ, he perfected you forever. Uh, forever. And when he says forever, he means forever. He doesn't mean well, as you go from pillar to post, sort of going, I, I did well today, not so well, but I'll pick myself up again, pull myself up by my bootstraps and get cracking again. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus, you love me. In that moment, you dealt with the, uh, everything that was obstructed, all the sin in my life, you dealt with it once and for all. And right now, I can be sure that my sin, past, present, and future, not the ones that are, you know, you're cognizant of right now as you think about them, but see the way you're going to screw it up tomorrow. Don't you worry. There's already grace provided for you, all right? You will never live free under a spirit of condemnation and shame ever, and you will never change. The Bible says it actually reinforces the very things that you're trying to break free from. So can you encourage yourself this morning? I'm a saint, I am loved by God, and God is for me, he's not against me. And it's important because um, what I'm gonna talk about today, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna quickly, it's quite a simple talk, all right? A simple talk for simple folk, all right? Ooh, controversial. Some of you are going, thank goodness for that, all right? <clears throat> We're gonna be passing out coloring in sheets halfway through, and you'll be able to take it home, go look what I did today, and stick it on your fridge, all right? Does that sound all right? It's not going to be that simple, uh, but I, I want to talk about two different people who, one of them let their dream die. I, I hope over the last few weeks, and one of them didn't. I'm going to look at why one, one didn't see the fullness of the call of grace in their life and one did, right? Because there's some things that we can learn about it, because I hope over the last few weeks, as I've been encouraging you to, to think about God's grace in your life in 2023, and think about that picture of God's hands are open for you, his palms are open and towards you. He's resurrecting dead things and bringing them to life. Hopes, dreams, relationships, businesses, everything that you felt at some stage, I have messed it up, or that ship has sailed, or that's, I can't do that again. And the Lord says, no, I've opened my hands to 
cover your sin and to bless you completely. I'm resurrecting. This is the year of Kaf Gamel, 23 in Hebrew, from, from death to life. And then I encouraged you last week that that requires some action. But, and that's the way that it works. Faith paints pictures. So whenever you go to the Word, I was talking about this on Wednesday night. For those of you who didn't make it, make every effort for Wednesday nights. It was good, wasn't it, for those of you who were there? It was flipping brilliant. I enjoyed it. I got saved halfway through. That's how good it was, right? And uh, so if you're watching online, I'm totally joking, all right? And uh, it was at the start I got saved. And so what happens is, what happens is, where does faith come from? Well, faith is a gift. And then what the Lord says is, he paints pictures. It's linked to your imagination. So you read the word. The Lord shows you things in the word. And he gives you these things so that you can think about it. Because it goes off in your mind, doesn't it? And that's where faith starts to come from. You can paint pictures in your head about what grace looks like. But, and, and just realize that the whole of heaven, there is an open heaven, an open window to heaven. Remember that? The whole, the whole thing of, of the open window of heaven is open for you. And the Lord says, I have big dreams for your life. Now, this is not like the world, you know, this kind of, kind of pound shop Instagram influencer type thing where it's, it's all sort of a bit, a bit false. This is a call of God and the reason why he gave you breath. And he says, think about it, dream for it. It is a life of favor and blessing, not a life of struggle, not a life of lack, not a life of sickness. God is for you. And every day it's glory to glory. All right, good. And so what, what, let's, let's have a look at it because I said, remember in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 last week, it's by grace you've been saved. Everyone says amen, amen. through faith, All right? So grace is the work. You, are, you never do the work. Grace does the work. And the work is finished. That's what we say. Why? Because it was Jesus' work. And now our response, our positive response to what grace has done is to say, yes, Lord, I receive. And as I receive, I move. All right? That's what faith looks like. Faith looks like moving. It looks like action. It looks like, in a sense, doing something different, not in order to get done, because you can't get something done, which is already being done but to walk into it. Does that make sense? That was last week. Uh, pick it up if you haven't got it. And so it's about our, I said last week, it's how we positively respond to the work uh, of, of, of Jesus. Okay, so let's go for this week. I want to, um, yeah, one last point on that. I think it was important. I think last week I said, you know, this is the difference between you, you actually having faith and believing. It's one of those things that's really misunderstood. Every single believer in Jesus has faith. Why? Because it never came from you. Faith in the Bible originates in God. Do you know that? You don't create faith. It's, 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 it's absolute. Just like righteousness is given to you, faith is given to you. The issue is, do we believe? Right? That's the difference. Yeah, it is about activating. It is about... Um, walking into it is about actually our problem is not that we don't have faith the problem is we don't believe that's the issue and i talked about that even uh, we're going to talk about that in some of the wednesday nights coming up and it's going to be fun but actually there's action involved and that action is actually just revealing the faith that jesus has put in you so some of you will be thinking here today i don't have faith i don't have enough faith i don't have faith like they have it and actually the, the lord says no you've been given faith and since we've all been given the same measure of faith isn't that good? Why? Because it's a gift of God. Not of yourselves, lest that anyone should boast. It's been given to you. That, that helps me to go, Lord, just like the disciples, I believe, help me with my unbelief, right? How well do they describe life? I do believe, 
flip and help me with that because I do want to believe, but can you help me with it? You know what I mean? Uh, anyone? That's kind of how we live, right? So let's have a look at these two guys. We're going to look at um, I, uh, one of my favorite, uh, actually my very favorite character, probably one of my second favorite characters, is uh, are Moses and Joshua. And he, Moses particularly, uh, Moses, every time I say his name, I can just hear like, you know that old movie, Moses, no? Anyway, in my head. You really don't want to know what goes in my head. Moses. You can't say it normally because it's Moses, right? Holy Moses, right? And here's the point. He's a really, he's a good, he's a brilliant character. And you know what? I know we all have struggles, but I would hate to get to heaven and meet Moses and say that I kind of wimped out, right? When you look at what this guy went through, can you imagine going, seriously, Moses? Like life was tough in 21st century Belfast. They said that and really offended me. Can you imagine? I was too tired to go to church on a Wednesday. <laughs> imagine Moses going, I. Sounds awful. Tell me more about that. Well, you see, I lived in this really modern world where everything's looked after, but I couldn't give. Really? It's just awful. Really? Can you imagine? You wouldn't probably want to sit down on the other side of Moses and yap about the stuff that we get to yap about, right? Because he, he had an incredible, incredible, incredible uh, life and walk with God. Let's read from Deuteronomy 34. Write these verses down and take them away with you today. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land <clears throat> from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, and extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Pams, as far as Zor. And the Lord said to Moses, this is the land, now listen to this, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, remember who we talked about last week, Isaac and Jacob, then I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've now allowed it to see it, to, I've now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but listen to this, but you'll not enter the land. Oh. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Hold on a wee second. That doesn't add up, right? God, you promised it. You said, this is the land that I'm going to give you. For us, that's our inheritance, right? This is my work. Remember, he points to Abraham and says, all you have to do is believe for this, and I will make you great. I'll make you great amongst the nations, and your descendants will, right, brilliant. And we're all going, yes and amen. Moses comes to the edge, looks, and the Lord says, you're not going to enter into that. Now, and so he dies without ever walking in to the promise that God had given them as a people. Now, Moses had many battles, many struggles, and he saw God move in incredible power. And it's very poignant, though. It's like, almost like when you get, you know, I, I try to imagine what this would be like. You know, imagine your whole life of God speaking such great promises over you, such great words over you, such great grace over you, seeing the goodness of God and him saying, there's always, like, there is an inheritance for you. And then I just imagine this point where Moses is looking and going, flip me, what's happened here? You know, because Moses is going to die without ever walking into the very thing in this life that God had called him for. Now you might go, well, hold on a wee second. Moses did all right. See the whole flipping like plague thing? That was pretty impressive like Red Sea, oh, go down to Belfast Lock and try that and tell me how you get on, right? Let me see you walk across the Carrick, all right, and see how, what it feels like, okay? Just don't say you're from this church because you look like weirdos, right? But you know what I mean? 
So you can read this stuff and go, oh, well, do you know what? Fair enough. Moses did pretty good. And uh, you, you think, like, even the, deliver, the deliverance out of Egypt is crazy, isn't it? But the, the thing is, he started off so well. Pharaoh's armies are drowned and all the rest of it. But that was, that was you know, the, the point of the picture is this. How you start is, is only starters. See, when you get saved and enter into a relationship with Jesus, that's only the beginning, Right? That deliverance is incredible. You're brought out from darkness into light. You're made a brand new creation. You're perfected for all of eternity. That's what happens in that moment of deliverance when you encounter Jesus, right? The power of sin is broken. The power of death is broken. You're given hope and a future. Everyone says, amen. And the Lord says, amen. But that's only the beginning. I only delivered you into life. It's a journey of walking into it. And I might have done incredible things in your life so far, but it's always glory to glory and more grace to more grace. And so he starts off really well, and, uh, but it's almost like the starter before the main course. Then what happens is the people start to grumble, they complain, they murmur, they moan, I'm going really fast, giving you a big overview of this. And they demonstrate this kind of gross selfishness is the way I put it, and this pride. And instead of inheriting all that God has for them, they wander around the desert. Now, the, the imagery couldn't be more plain, I, I, I don't think. I, imagine what, what it's like for Moses, Right? getting to the end and looking back at what might have been. You know, Moses wasn't bad. He gave his whole life to serve God. There was, in some senses, a great cost for him in it all, right? But he loved God and he loved those people. You would need to love those people because they would have driven me bonkers. See the first sign of me walking through a flipping desert after six months and them still yapping? I would have gone, right, do one. <laughs> Anybody? He did it for 40 years. Like, seriously. Either he was half crazy or deaf or whatever. But can it, who would put up with that nonsense? See, in a church, you look at somebody the wrong way and they clear off because the Lord told them to. Right? <laughs> oh, I just don't like the way the pastor looked at me there. <laughs> I'm off. The Lord's told me to go somewhere else and take my offense with me. 40 years he put up with it. I think the man deserves a medal. He's, well, he's in heaven. He's got glory right now. But do you know what I mean? It's like, holy smokes. So there was nothing bad about him. He had an incredible call on his life and he loved people. And the thing for me that's really interesting here is he saw it literally. He literally saw what God had spoken, but he didn't walk in. And if you see when you close your eyes, right? And you think about the things in your life where you go, I want to see the power of God. I want to see the power of his grace in my life. Can you actually see it? Anybody? What's it like when you close your eyes and you start to imagine or you start to think about what the power of God's grace looks like transforming you and your situation? Tell me what it's like. What does your body look like? You know, do you imagine yourself fit and healthy? Do you imagine yourself living at peace? Anybody? Can you see it? Like Moses literally physically saw it. I think we, through the lens of the finished work of Jesus, are given access to what a life of favor and blessing looks like, and we can see it and imagine it. Don't be churlish about that. That's the power of God to build faith in you. He's given you that gift. And what happens here is that, you know, as, you know, Moses is, you know, this picture of Moses, I guess what the picture is this morning is, I don't want any of us to get to the, any point of our lives, never mind the end of our days, and go, what if? What if I had taken that step of faith into that which grace had painted the picture for? Do you get that? 
It's not to condemn, but it's to go, what, what the heck are we worrying about? What are you worrying about? What, what, what possible concern when you weigh up against the call of God and his goodness in your life could ever compare? Well, what might they think? Who cares? I might, you know, it's like, can you think for one moment about all the things that have worried you through your life? And here you are this morning, still standing, fit, healthy, fed. You all have your breakfast this morning. All got a bit of money in your pocket. Might not have as many as somebody else, but you've got money in your pocket. You're sitting in the heat this morning, going home to your lunch, right? How many days did you worry yourself sick that you might not even get to today? Anybody? Yet here you are in the goodness and the grace of God. Always good, always faithful. So do you know what happens? Let let, let me just say this. Uh, Moses had a promise, just like you have. The Lord says, I told you, Moses, this is the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants. Like, so how, how, did that, how did it end up that way? How, how, how does Moses start off so brilliant? It's taking massive steps of faith. And listen to me, he didn't have, you operate under a better covenant than what he operated under. Do you get that? Your promises, according to the word of God, are way better than what he had. Way better. You sit today not in a work in a, a relationship where, because obviously Mo, Moses is used to bring the, the, the covenant of law. And, uh, you know, whatever you say, Lord, we'll do it. And Moses is like, seriously? Okay. Numpties, but here we go. And uh, they fall at the first, you know, the first hurdle. He comes down the mountain. They've already messed it up. And he's like, flip sake, right? But he's still stuck with them. Crazy, right? But how, how, what was it? What can we learn? Well, there was a point where it all could have been so different. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. There's a point where he could have seen his breakthrough, but he didn't. Remember when they sent 12 spies into the land? You know the story where they sent 12 spies? And they come back, without doubt, they come back with this report, and they go, this is crazy. I mean, it's the picture of grapes, isn't it? These massive grapes, right? And we're not talking like Tesco value. We're talking like Marks and Spencers (laughs) on steroids. These were like massive big grapes, huge big grapes. Right? You know what I mean? If you like Tesco Value grapes, that's brilliant. I'm just saying these, these weren't like wee watery things. These were like big, juicy, proper, not just any grapes. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a land flown with milk and honey. They've been wandering around for 40 years in the dust of the desert, and they just see this little glimpse of what God's promise is like. You know what it's like? God even gives them a wee taste of it. Bring it back and let them taste the goodness of what my promise looks like. Can you imagine what it would be like for people who've been wandering around a dusty, dirty desert just to get a taste of the goodness of God, just a little bit of it? I imagine at that point, I would have given everything for it. Absolutely everything, going flipping heck. This is incredible. This is amazing. Like, this is what we're called for. I want you to, you know, Think about that. Think about those moments in your life where you've had a word, where you've had an encouragement, where God has provided for you, where God has healed you, where God has spoken to you, where God has sent somebody to you to bring you along and say, you know when you tasted the goodness of God? And he says, I have so much more for you. That was just a wee taste. Just a wee taste. And what happens is this. The point where, and I just, I really want to, yeah, I'm just going to say it, right? There's a parable where, you know, there's a point where when God is moving that you, and God is starting to speak to you about taking faith into grace, 
right? That all sorts of things starts to kick off. And that's where we can learn from the word. It's like the tares and the wheat, the, the parable that Jesus tells. When, when you and, uh, and the Lord are cooperating and he's speaking to you, okay, about doing something new in your life, about a new level of faith, about new beginnings, you know, sometimes I've heard it say, well, that's when the devil goes into overdrive to pull away that which the Lord is planting. Let me tell you, the devil's always hated you. He doesn't necessarily go any harder at you because you're hearing about something. Do you get that? He'll kill you in a moment. Steal, kill, and destroy was not dependent on anything other than steal, killing, and destroying. So can we just not be crazy charismaniacs in this one? Because you know what the crazy thing about that is? Do you know what? And there was times in my life where I thought, well, I don't want to go into the things of God. Do you know why? Because the devil's just going to try and attack me. How crazy is that? You're actually talking people out of it. Oh, God's really good, and he's got great stuff for you, but the devil will be after you, brother. All right, hold on. Let's just weigh that one up right now. So I might... Nah, you're all right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense, actually. Right? You don't need to worry about the enemy. The enemy has no power over you. Do you kind of get that? See all this thing of I need to plead the blood and the hedges of protection and all that. Knock yourself out if you do that. In faith, I declare Psalm 91 over me and my family every day. Right? The Lord doesn't take his eye off you because you forgot to pray for him to keep his eye on you. You get that? He keeps his eye on you. Why? Because he never slumbers or sleeps. You get that? Anyway, so the point being here, here's the moment, okay? Have you ever, what you'll notice in your life is whenever you start to go, I'm going to mix this word of grace with faith, right? Remember, because it says the word was of no effect to you because you didn't mix grace with faith. Whenever you do that, what will normally happen is, okay, that normally either through people or through your own conscience condemning you or whatever, there will be a negativity that comes, that sits in your mind and sits in your heart to steal that which God has planted. In in Moses, it was like, it'll be words like, hold on, it won't work, it's too hard, you're not able, you can't do it, not too much grace, you need to balance this, just be careful. Um, It's about, you know, you can't really trust that, Grace is enough. God's not reliable. Did he really say a million things going through our heads? And that's the point where dreams die. In, in, in Deuteronomy 35, it, it says, actually, actually in Joshua, said they spread the report. And I'll go quickly. There's these men that came back, right? These were men in the camp, and they spread the report, it says. They started to come, and even though God was leading them and showing them, there was just this negative talking, a negative word about the place. And these people who were part and parcel of the same family, the family of God, started just to do this. And they started to spread negativity, spread against, speak against that which God was trying to do. You get that? And it spread. Now, I'll tell you what happens here. You know, sometimes you'll have people around you whose confidence and trust in, in, in God is weak. It's more about them and their dysfunction. And what will happen is at times their fear, negativity, lack of trust, lack of faith, whatever, their pride, will simply be used to come against that which God has planted in your heart. And I want to ask you to be really careful of that, okay? I'm not saying cut people out of your life. Pray for people, love them, show them grace, honor them, and be careful. Because what I do think is what the enemy does is as soon as God says, move, the enemy says, did he really say? Did he really say that? 
And it'll be the small, still voice in your ear, sometimes from other people going, that's fine. This message of grace is fine, but just be careful. Just hang back a wee bit. Just watch out. And sometimes it sounds really plausible because when the men come back, you know, the spies, okay, there's Joshua and Caleb who go, yep, no problem. Let's do this. That means 10 went no, right? They looked at the same thing. When you look at your life, you're going to look at it one of two ways. You're going to either look at it through the lens of the finished work or you're going to look at it through the, the lens of your own ability. That's it. There's, can I just tell you, there's nothing else. You either frame your life through Jesus and what he's done or you're framing it through you or somebody else. There's no neutral. And what happens is the negativity starts because people who haven't captured, see that thing that God put in your heart? He put it in your heart. He gave it your dream. He caught in your call. Other people won't see it or understand it. And sometimes that will provoke them to either go, oh, what about me or whatever, for a million different reasons. But when they're not the right place, then they'll start to speak against that which God has put in your heart. Just be really careful of it is what I'm saying. Because I know in my life, whenever the Lord said, start to move, the voices started to come. And you know what Moses does? Stupidly, he listens to them. This is crazy, isn't it? Like, he listens to the people, right? Caleb and Joshua, if you don't know the story, they come back and they go, let's take a whack at it. This place is amazing. It's exactly what God described. Let's go, 10 go, no, start to spread the report. And what does Moses do? This is Moses who has seen God move, who received the promise, who has stuck with these Egypts for 40 years, gone through all sorts of stuff when he could have been playing golf and doing a million other things and enjoying his life. And at the point where the negativity comes, his attention doesn't go to the call of God and the call of grace and the promise of future. It goes to, oh, flip. That might be right. I want to really encourage you not to do that. It's a time in your life to be focused on what God is saying to you, the promise that he's putting in your heart and, and where he's saying, move with me, cooperate with me, build momentum with me in your life as you take steps of faith. Give ear to that before anything else. The call of grace in your life because it's the only call that brings you to freedom. The only one. Is this okay? You're listening pretty intently, so that's good. It's, it's funny here because, do you know what actually happens? I, I think this battle of law and grace in your life is interesting. We kind of go, oh, the law is terrible. It just brings condemnation. And people feel bad. Do you know what's way more than that? You know, condemnation is death. That's the spirit of it. The spirit of the law is death. Condemnation is about punishment. So I, I think spiritually what we need to have our eyes opened a little bit more this year to go, when, when, when we talk about condemnation, the end result of condemnation is always death. Condemnation means not just what you did, but the punishment that comes as a result of the action of what you did. So katakrima is the word in, in Greek. And katakrima means always, somebody's always got to pay, and the result is always, de is always death. It's crazy, right? And so whenever God starts to speak into your life, there's a spiritual aspect to this where you're being, you're being lifted out of condemnation and now we're learning to walk free from condemnation in true freedom. And uh, like the, the, the powers of hell do come against that in your life. Do you understand? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now you are protected from that unless you give yourself to it. Do you get that? I honestly believe that. I honestly believe if you partner with negativity and lies and everything else, then you're going to eat that fruit. 
I honestly believe it. Like, we need to grow up. We can't, we can't just go, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm all under grace. No, grace has freed you from that stupid stuff. Grace has dealt with your sinful nature. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. You get to choose. And what's really interesting for me here with Moses is that he sacrifices his dream and his future on the altar of somebody else's mess and dysfunction. You know, these 10 guys who come back, it was their fear, it was their pride, it was their insecurity, it was their selfishness. It overshadowed the promise and the calling and the purpose that God had for them. Don't do the same this year. Do you know, actually, when that spirit of condemnation comes, do you know that just like Jesus, you know the way the religious people wanted to kill Jesus? You see this foreshadowed before this. Actually, with Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to kill him too. You know, Joshua is a foreshadow of Jesus, okay? If you don't know that, he is, same name, etc., etc. And what happens is they want to kill him because when, when the word of God comes and says, I'm leading you from grace to grace, the enemy goes, I'm going to kill that. Boom. And that's why we stand in faith every day with our eyes fixed on Jesus and his word and his promise so that when the enemy comes, he can't get in. It's interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about that with Moses. He partnered with negativity. And under that covenant, okay, thank God we've got a better covenant, right? Because I have some pretty negative days. I don't know about you, anyone? Is that too shocking for you? But thank God that same thing doesn't happen. The Lord says we go again, all right? The problem for us is that we don't walk ourselves out of the promise we st- we want because God, it's God's promise to us, but we lose the goodness of it every day. That's the difference. Do you get that? That's the new covenant. You can't walk yourself out of it. You're in it. And the covenant's based on his goodness, not yours. But we miss the goodness of it, all right? Do you see the difference? So what about Joshua? Very, very quickly. And um, so old, old Moses, he dies on the east side. And I, I, I kind of think this year, I want you to be more like Joshua. And I know I said we're going to talk about, about his story soon. But imagine this. For every, for, for every negative, for every Joshua, there was five negative voices. Do the maths. 12 minus 2 is 10. Um, you get that? It's turned into an AQE class. So listen, <laughs> write this down, right? If there's 12 people and you take, basically they were outnumbered five to one. Trust me, go with me on it, all right? If your math is a bit dodgy. <clears throat> and uh, imagine that. But he becomes leader and Joshua is one of the most, you know, one of the most used verses in the Bible in relation to God's instruction to him is Joshua 1.9. The Lord says this, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, why does the Lord say, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged? Why does he bring it up? Do you know why? You're going to have loads of opportunity to be afraid and be discouraged. You get that? Don't wimp out on me this year, folks. Right? Oh, this is just too hard, brother. You know all that? Like, sometimes Christians need to wise up. We, we can fall over at the... At the you know, like the, the smallest thing, we get offended or we do this or we do that. And it's like, you, it's okay to go, you're going to have times where you're going to be afraid. Probably this week, there's going to be days when you're going to be discouraged. Am I prophesying it over you? No, I'm kind of going, we live in a broken world. But the promise of grace says this, I am with you wherever you go. 
And what do you know? Because I taught you it before Christmas. If God is with you, what's just like Joseph, you are prospered, right? You're prosperous no matter where you go. Why? Because you've got God with you. You have the spirit of grace in you, which means you are prospered in anything. But the truth of it is, if you wait until, you know, those moments of feeling discouraged to kind of make decisions and, you know, start, you, you, the waves are over your head and you've left it too long. The Lord says to Joshua, before you walk in, see, Moses didn't walk in, but you're going to walk in. He goes, you're going to have loads of opportunity. Number one, these people are all balloons. They'll be up and down like fiddler's elbows. They won't really listen. You're going to have to really guide them. I wish I was in those moments of him talking to Joshua, like the Lord, you know, like seriously. Can you imagine? Like Joshua, what did I tell you? Flip me, right? Okay. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because I'm with you wherever you go. And if I'm with you, you're already victorious and prospered. Now, what does Joshua do then? He says, I, I thought, you know, I bet you there's loads of times when Joshua was going around the desert, he thought he had probably missed it. But I, I think what's happening here is that the, the Lord is speaking grace to him, love to him, mercy to him. He's encouraging him again. He's saying, listen, there was something in your spirit when you came back and you captured something of my grace, Right? which now I'm saying, don't, don't drop that. Walk into it and don't be afraid. He was a guy who went, I saw it and I tasted it and I believed it even though it looked insurmountable to my natural eyes. And I bet you Joshua had loads of days when he was really afraid. I don't believe for one minute that these people were anything unlike you and me. Do you get that? I don't think Joshua was more clever. I don't think he was... Better this, better that, better the other. I don't believe it. Because if that was true, then there's no point in us reading the stories and the Lord wouldn't have given, us, given them to us in the first place. He says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged because he knew that that's what Joshua would feel. So he already put the promise in place before he walked in. You get that? Does that make sense? That's, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you this year when we, when we take hold of the promises of God and we possess the promises of God in the sense of walking into them in faith, there will be things that will come, like the enemy doesn't want you to walk into those. He will do everything to keep you out of those, but just you remind yourself, he's got no power, right? I don't know where you're coming from theologically or whatever, but let me tell you, the Bible is absolutely clear. The only power that the enemy has over your life is that which you, you see to him, normally in your head, right? Because he's defeated, right? He's not going to wreck your life. He, can't, he has no part to do that if you're a child of God. So stop worrying about him and get your eyes on Jesus. All right? And so as Joshua then walks in, he says, the Lord says, look, you know, Joshua, you're going to walk into this. You're going to lead the people. Don't be afraid. Meaning when you are afraid, remember what? I'm with you wherever you go. When you're discouraged, what do you do? I'm with you wherever you go. When you're feeling weak, I'm with you here no matter where you go. When you're feeling lonely, I'm with you, no matter where you go. When you feel afraid, again, I am okay, because he is with me. And he's going to lead me from grace to grace and glory to glory. And just, I want to cut to the very end of the story, because I'm, I'm up on time. And Joshua 24, 29 says, after this, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land that he had been allocated at Timnath Sarah on the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Does anyone know where Ephraim is? In the, in the promised, in promised land? It's, the details are really important. I'll just tell you very quickly. 
the hill country of Ephraim is just northeast of Jerusalem. When you look at a map at where the Lord led them into, he died right in the center of the promised land. You get that? So he came that, to that, that rest right in the center of the inheritance that God had given him. And the only difference between Moses and him was when he tasted grace, when he tasted favor, he went, I'm going to walk into that. That was it. And he ends up, you know, what a way to go, isn't it? Putting your head down and just going, I mean, right in the, who would love that? Like 100 years from now, mostly, right? But wouldn't that be a brilliant way to go? No regrets, having seen the goodness of God, having lived a story, but being promoted to glory and going, right, I'm being promoted right from the very center of what you had for me in this land. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's what the Lord has for you. Grace to grace, folks. Glory to glory. It's the last week I'm going to talk about that thing of faith, okay? And, and just looking, today's just about what will take that away. I want, to enc- I want to encourage you. Are you feeling encouraged this morning? Okay. We're in the hood here if you're watching online. Uh, it's, it's all kicking off. <laughs> Damn streets. Um, I, I don't know about you. I, I think this year, let me finish by saying this, that the goodness of God and the love of God has declared hope and future over you, which, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, no eye has seen and no eye no ears heard, you know, just the, the kind of the magnitude of what God has prepared for you. God's doing it individually in your hearts. He's speaking to you individually in your hearts today because he's personal for you. The thing that matters most to you, he cares deeply about. Do you get that? If it matters to you and it's been burdening you, it matters to him. As the band come up here, and what I want you to do is uh, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray and minister over you. We're going to get ready to take communion. But before I do that, I just had a sense this morning of the Lord saying, look, the Lord just says, what is it? What is it that you you see in your your heart, you see in your mind? What is it that the Lord says, if, if I was physically here in front of you and you could hand it to me, what would it be? What would you give me? Is it sickness? Is it fear? Is it disappointment? Is it lack? Is it frustration? Is it just tiredness? And I just want you to picture the Lord standing right in front of you right now. I want you to imagine he's standing right in front of you with his palms open, his hands open. And he's just saying to you, whatever it is, give it to me. Give it to me. Let me take it from you. Let me lift it from you, cast it to me, the Lord says. Because I care for you. 
have this picture of the Lord touching you right now. Healing you right now. Ministering deep into your body right now. Deep into your heart right now. And he's ministering his grace. Whenever we come to the Lord, he removes that which weighs us down. All the mess, all the fear, and he just ministers his supernatural grace instead. And over you now, he says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Or at least when you are afraid and when you are discouraged, remember that I'm with you. Because I'm with you, you're prosperous, full. Don't let the words and the negativity of the past, whether from yourself or from other people, keep you from stepping into what I have for you, the Lord says. Trust me. See that I am good. All that you've tasted so far, the Lord says, was just the starter for you. I have so much more for you this year. Blessing upon blessing, rolling and crashing over your life. The Lord says, it's not that you need to follow me and hold on to me. It says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The Lord says he's pursuing you with goodness and mercy. He's pursuing you with love and favor. He's pursuing you with every blessing in Christ for every bit of your life. Father, I speak over every person in this room, every family, over every home, business. I speak the supernatural favor of God over them. Right now, Lord, that every burden would lift Every pain would be healed. Every fear would be calmed. Jesus, that hope would rise in your church. Hope that our best days are still to come. Hope that your promise that we will see your goodness in the land of the living applies today in this moment as it does for every day. Lord, we thank you that our past is dealt with. We thank you, Father, that there is no condemnation this morning for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, we've been set free from that, from sin, shame, sickness, and condemnation. It is not ours, Lord. We have been born again with the Spirit of God into hope, into future, into righteousness. And so, Father, we say thank you for that gift. And Holy Spirit, as you minister in this place, as you move in this place, I pray, Father, that, you know, that we would grow in faith and confidence in these days, in these next weeks, Lord, the 2023, let me say it, will be a year of, like, I'm gonna, I just want to say it's your best year yet. Believe for it. Believe for it. Your best year yet. No matter how good he's been, there's more. No matter what you've seen, you haven't scratched the surface. This is the season, the Lord says. It's your best year yet. And that's not some kind of worldly, kind of glib thing for a poster. That is the promise of God almighty over your life so father our heads are up our hearts are up we receive that word this morning i'm going to say no to negativity i'm going to say no to allowing father anything that sits against this word to take root father for any area in people's lives today where they don't have hope father will you just rebuke the lie that sits underneath that and we speak faith into them instead 
We speak hope into them instead. We speak promise and future instead. You love us, Lord. You love us all the time. You're good to us all the time, and we are so grateful. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand at our feet? We're going to take communion. Are you encouraged this morning? Yes. Cool. Father, we take this, um, this bread. See if you're sick this morning or if you're feeling whatever. Take this bread. This is, we believe there's a supernatural um, thing happens when we take communion together. So, Father, over everybody here, Lord, we say thank you for this, this um, your body broken, this bread that we hold. Father, represents you and your finished work of healing, Lord. Father, we speak health in people's minds in this place. Lord, we speak health in every body. Lord, deep into the core of, of everybody in this place, physical restoration, physical health, physical healing. Right now, strength and, and energy, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that your blood has cleansed us. Lord, everything that was ever stood against us, everything that would ever condemn us was dealt with in a moment whenever you shed your blood, fell to the ground, Lord, redeemed us. Father, I thank you that this morning we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I mean, do you know what that means? You're just totally acceptable to God. You always will be acceptable to God. You'll never not be acceptable to God. Why? Because he poured his blood out for you. He paid the price for you so that you can be free. So we drink, Lord, and we say thank you. Amen. Okay. Amen. You good? So we're going to do, we're going to worship together. We're going to lift our offering together. Remember, don't give in to fear and lack. You've heard about Jesus this morning. He's leading you from grace to grace. That includes your money. Our response of faith to the Lord when it comes to money is we give and we give and we say, Lord, thank you that you are my source. Nothing else, nobody else, you're my source and I am prosperous because you're with me. And what the Lord says is he supplies all of your need out of his riches. I was reminded about that this morning. It's his riches, not the world's or not anybody else's. And uh, I, I don't know, I want to be supplied by there. That's for, that's for true. Anyone else? Amen. I think so. Amen. So Lord, thank you that you supply all of our needs, Lord, over and above, quality and quantity out of your riches in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.